1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I a no idea. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. He's just going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
0: We've got big news. Dave is back. Hey, Dave. Welcome back. What's
1: up? How are you? We're good. How you doing? I am terrible. <laughs> Thanks for asking.
0: What's wrong?
1: Uh, well, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. I came back with a case of COVID. I've got it. My wife's got it. My daughter got it, but she didn't get it in Vegas because she stayed in Chicago. She got it there. My son stayed in Texas. He doesn't have COVID. He's not staying home. He's at his girlfriend's house. How about that for an 18-year-old living the dream, getting ready to go to college, and he's bunking up with his girlfriend while the rest of his family has to sweat out COVID. Um, feel crappy. Ate a lot of good food. Lost a lot of money. <laughs> ready what, for the football season. Was See, it worth it, Dave? Hold on, hold on. I, I got the piece de resistance. Uh, because I'm fancy and I use French. Um, yesterday was my birthday. Slept on the couch on my birthday. Didn't go out on my birthday. Didn't do anything fun on my birthday. <laughs> It's uh, it's been great. I yeah. am, uh, I am. It it is a very 2020 type summer for me, and now here I am, ready to share my joy with everybody on the podcast. <laughs> it's it is wonderful to be back, and uh, to talk with everybody.
0: I think we'll be able to cheer you up, Dan. What a good think, day. Yeah, happy birthday! I was going to wish you a happy birthday on the show, but you stole that thunder from me. So, happy birthday to you! Also, one of our listeners, uh, his name is Dan. He actually emailed me and said, make sure you wish uh, Dave a happy birthday. He and my son share a birthday. His son turned 15 yesterday, so happy birthday.
1: Mm -hmm. He wrote me too. I wished him and his son a happy birthday back.
0: Um, well, we're going to cheer you up. We're going to talk football here. Nothing Dave likes better than, than uh, talking football and talking fantasy. We got big news is James Robinson is not going to begin camp on the pup list. That's awesome. Unless you're really into Travis Etienne, we'll tell you what that means. Uh, we're going to do some rankings disputes today. Tom Brady, they're not that far apart in Dave and Jamie's rankings, but one of these guys has Brady ahead of Kyler and Russ. The other does not. Um, we're going to talk about Elijah Mitchell He'll be in some type of a committee this year. Cam Akers, Marquise Brown, Mike Gesicki. Uh, when to draft Cooper Cup? These are some of our rankings disputes. Also, your emails at fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. And Jamie's here as well. Hi, Jamie. How are you? You doing all right? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Well, I, was, I, I am good, but I don't want to like rub it in Dave's face, so I'm horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get to the big news here. James Robinson coming back from a torn Achilles and will not begin training camp on the pup list. Jamie, that's awesome for James Robinson. Last year in 2020, he was the top eight running back per game. Per game, he was eighth in non-PPR, sixth in full PPR. 2021 was a different story, but he left two games very early with injury, and he actually had nine games with 11 to 18 carries, and in those games he was really, really good. He performed like a top 10 running back whenever he got the work. He had a bunch of games. I think he had five games with, uh, with uh, like five, eight or fewer carries. You know, because because Urban Meyer was being Urban Meyer. But when Ro- Robinson got the work, he was a must-start top 10 running back. So, what's your initial thought here on Robinson being healthier than we expected?
2: I think it's great news for him. Obviously, you know, if you have him in a dynasty or long-term keeper league, you're you're encouraged by this. Uh, but there are still two huge obstacles he has to overcome this season. First is being 100% healthy because he's clearly not that yet. He's uh, he's working off to the side with the team. Um, you know, video of that already from, from the start of camp. But hopefully he'll be in team drills. Hopefully he'll be able to be as close to full go as we can get by the time we get to the middle of August and we're ramping up for the start of the season. The other major obstacle clearly is the competition that he's going to have because he didn't have this last year because Travis Etienne broke his foot. And so ETN is going to uh, play significant amount of time, play a significant amount of time. Uh, in what role is what we still have to figure out? You know, is he going to be the lead back and play on passing downs? And Robinson's more of a complimentary guy. Or is Robinson going to be the first and second down guy and Etienne's more of a third down guy? So uh, I don't know if we'll get the answer to that by the time we get to week one because of Robinson's health. But clearly, if you are uh, encouraged by James Robinson this season and a little bit concerned about Travis ETN, this news is going to sway you in the direction you want to go.
0: All right, so if people are taking Travis Etienne in round four right now, is that too early? Give me the rounds that you guys think. Jamie, I'll start with you. Rounds for Etienne and
2: Robinson in a PPR league. Uh, Round four for Etienne is perfect, and uh, Robinson is probably still round eight at the earliest for me.
1: I think round five is where I'd go for Etienne. I think if you take him in round four, it's way too close to his ceiling. And I think you can still get Robinson in round 10. That'll probably change. Like by the if, if he's look, if he's practicing by mid August and it looks like he's like the primary running back in the offense, I mean no one's gonna no one's gonna be able to get him in round eight. He'll he'll go sooner than that because people are gonna get excited for him because yeah. he's somebody who played really well two years ago. Last year in Spurts did play well. Smarter coaching staff, not necessarily one that's gonna guarantee him a lot of work from week to week, but it'll be better than five carries a week, which is what happened. During a stretch with Urban Lester.
0: Yeah. Uh Justin Incredible in our YouTube chat. That's a
1: oh wow, former clue. ECW champion, Justin
0: Incredible. Running backs coming off torn Achilles don't have a good history.
1: So. Yeah, that's that. It's it's also been that way for a lot of athletes until recently.
0: Right, right, exactly. Right,
1: we've we've talked about it. Like Kevin Durant is like the poster child for making a full recovery from a torn Achilles. Um, you got to wait and see. He's he's one of a handful of running backs that we're just kind of waiting and seeing on. If I was drafting right now, I wouldn't take Robinson in round eight. He, he's a round 10 pick.
0: All right. Uh, this, that's definitely a situation that we are going to be monitoring. Uh, stat of the day, just doing some Tom Brady research for for our future rankings dispute. And there's also a news item on Leonard Fournette, his personal trainer, who's probably a little bit biased, said that uh, the concerns about Fournette's weight weight gain were blown out of proportion. uh, Like Fournette. But uh, stat of the day, I noticed Leonard Fournette, in the last seven games that he played last year without Antonio Brown, he averaged, uh, no, I'm sorry, he was on pace for 131 targets and 117 catches and a crazy 89% catch rate. But even if he had about an 80% catch rate, which would be normal, you know, for a running back catching pass from Brady, uh, you know, still, when Antonio Brown was not on the field, (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Leonard Fournette was getting six, seven, eight targets, sometimes even more per game. Now, the first three games he played with Antonio Brown, he had a combined 12 targets. So I don't know what all this means. But I thought it was pretty interesting. He certainly saw a big, big increase in the last seven games that he played without Antonio Brown. Again, on pace for 131 targets and 117 catches. Doesn't mean anything to you, Dave Richard?
1: Yeah, because you're talking about Tom Brady not having reliable targets who get open, and so he has to check down or he has to, you know, throw to the running back who's, you know, easier throw to make, something like that. And if Fournette's going to still be in that main role, and the Bucs are going to open the season without Godwin, no Gronk coming back this year. Uh, Brady's got that comfort level with Leonard Fournette. Could easily get off to a nice start this year, catching four or five balls per game. It's contingent on him keeping that role, though. He's got to earn it in training camp, which sounds a little silly to say. Leonard Fournette, veteran, been around a long time, 130-some-odd targets last year he was on pace for without Antonio Brown. So you might think he's earned it already, but you know how it works in the NFL, and especially in a place like Tampa. There's going to be competition. They're going to see what Rashad White can do. If Giovanni Bernard can step back up. But if he's better than those guys in passing situations, Brady will have him on the field. Wouldn't be a surprise if he started the year as a top 10 PPR running back.
0: All right. That brings us to our first rankings dispute. And I'm just going to boot Dave real quick from the studio. Looks like his video is frozen. We got your audio. Oh, good. We'll uh, we'll get you right back. Um, Come on back. There you go. Let's see. Dave, you there? Let's see. Hi. All right. We'll see if we can get him uh, video. At least we have his audio. Uh, The first rankings (laughs) dispute is. Tom Brady. Jamie had him eighth. Dave has him fifth. Oh, there's Dave. Hey, come back up, bud.
1: Yeah, okay. There
0: Sorry. you go. <laughs> um, all right, Jamie, I'll give you the first word on Brady. So this isn't a huge rankings dispute. You both have him in the top eight, but specifically, Dave has him ahead of Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and Jamie, you do not. So kick it off. Tom Brady, eighth for you. Or no, uh yeah, eighth for Jamie, fifth for Dave. Jamie, go.
2: The only one I think I could see myself moving would be Russell Wilson behind Brady. But the other guys with what they do as runners makes them a little bit more of a higher ceiling play than what Brady will do. Um, it's, it's hard to bet against him throwing for 5,000 yards again and throwing for 40-plus touchdowns. So he certainly has that in his arsenal. But if he doesn't have Godwin for the first six weeks of the season potentially or however long maybe Godwin may miss or not be at 100%, and now he doesn't have Gronk, and you're relying on Russell Gage to fill basically two roles because Antonio Brown's also gone, and asking Kyle Rudolph, Cameron Brate, and Kate Otten to fill the Gronkowski role, there's clearly some, uh, some flaws there. They're down two offensive linemen as well. You know so they have to replace two guys on the line. Uh, so Brady obviously is, is tried and true as, as much as anybody can be. Um, very safe, but uh, does not run, and I'm always going to lean toward the running quarterbacks more so than I will the statues, and Brady still qualifies as a statue. A very good one, but still a statue.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous that Kyler won't run as much as we want him to. I think he'll run in the red zone. I think outside of the red zone, uh, you're not going to see a lot of big runs from Kyler this year. It's been two years now where he's taken on some hits, and when he plays, when he's hurt, he's not as effective. They just paid him a ton of money. They want to make sure that he's on the field all season long. This is a make-or-break year. It feels like a make-or-break year for Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Uh, this is a team that needs to win a playoff game. So they're going to be focused on having Kyler play more. We know that Kyler's going to begin the season without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. I'm a little worried about what his passing numbers will be like then. And I can't say for sure that his passing numbers are going to be at a career high when he has Hopkins back and Brown back and all the tight ends and whatnot that they have in Arizona. We'll see. I I look at what Kyler Murray has been the last two years as far as fantasy points per game. It's seventh among quarterbacks. Brady last year, amazing. He was second, but he had that loaded receiving core. The year before that, he was ninth. So it's a really close call between those two. I think it's easy to take Brady over Russ. I don't think Russ is going to run that much. I do think that Russ is going to throw a lot, but I don't think he'll throw as much as Brady. I think Brady's going to throw a ton this year. Jamie mentioned it. He's an easy candidate for over 5,000 yards. I still think he's a candidate for 40 touchdowns, even without Chris Godwin for, assuming, 17 games, even without Rob Gronkowski on the field. I think that Brady is one of those quarterbacks that you wait for and you take it a good value on draft day. And for now, easy guy to take over Russ and I am taking over Kyler at this point. I
0: don't really know that you can wait for him, though. I mean, you got to make those decisions. You can't just say, well, let me let me before I speak out of my out of my tush here. Let me get the AD, ADP. Your tush, Tom Brady. Wow. OK. Yeah. See, I am talking out of my rear a little bit, but, but actually um, he's QB 10 in Fantasy Pro's ADP, but Russell Wilson is going one pick ahead of him at QB9. So you might have to really just make that decision. Am I taking Russell Wilson or am I taking Tom Brady? And you will not have a chance to get the other guy with your next pick. So, you know, if you're on the clock, Dave, you're taking Brady over Russ. Yes. And Jamie, you're taking Wilson. Yes. For now.
1: And the way that I kind of look at it with those three quarterbacks is I- I'll notice probably around the time when Lamar Jackson goes off the board, I'll start to put my periscope up to look for a quarterback value and i'm not trying to just i'm not purposely waiting for a quarterback on draft day i just want to get a good value on a quarterback on draft day
2: okay See, i'll probably end up passing on both these guys to be honest and just wait out cousins or Carr, or um what i what i'm anticipating is going to be the biggest adp riser of them all is trey lance, trey lance yeah. and looking at nfc
0: adp these are high stakes leagues uh, Tom Brady, since July 1st in 119 drafts, Tom Brady is QB8, Kyler is QB6, Jalen Hurts is QB7, then Brady, then Dak, then Russ is QB10. But but again, Russ and Brady are basically separated by four picks here. So I think based on NFC ADP, based on Fantasy Pros ADP, right now you could probably expect Wilson and Tom Brady to be going in very similar ranges, and you might have to make that decision. All right, we've got... A programming announcement. Fantasy Football Today in 5 has a new host. It is Chris Towers. He is taking over FFT in 5. He and I did uh, his first episode as host, Uh yesterday. We talked about the NFC training camp battles to watch. I talked about Chiefs wide receivers, Ravens offensive style, and Brees Hall. What to expect from Brees Hall, what, what we want to see in training camp. Uh, today, he'll talk to Jamie about the AFC training camp uh, battle, or the NFC rather. And did I say NFC earlier? Well, Chris and I talked to AFC. Jamie and Chris are going to talk NFC. And are, you you hear that- that? are
2: you drunk again? What's that? you drunk again?
0: Yeah, right. Fantasy Football Today in 5. Subscribe to that. So basically, Fantasy Football Today in 5 used to basically just mirror the content of this show. But we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, we're going to have different content there. For the past week or so, we've had rankings disputes for five minutes. Uh, Chris is going to have different topics than what you hear on this show. So it's new. It's fresh content and check it out. Subscribe to Fantasy Football Today and 5. Dave, I hope you're feeling well enough to vote and to get out the vote. Tell people to vote because we've got less than a week left here. we got till the end of the month to win on Podcast Awards or at least advance to the next round. I don't exactly know what's happening. Go to podcastawards.com and vote for <laughs> Fantasy Football Today for best sports podcast, best male-hosted podcast, and... People's Choice Award as well. You can scan the QR code if you're watching on YouTube and go there immediately. We'd really appreciate your support. Podcastawards.com. Vote for fantasy football today. Sports, mail hosted and People's Choice. News and notes. Well, this is tough news. Houston rookie wide receiver John Mechie has leukemia. He will likely miss the season. He has apparently the most treatable form of leukemia. Of course, we wish him nothing but the best, and we can't wait to draft him next in 2023 When he makes a full recovery. Uh, San Francisco could go running back by committee. The Athletics saying that they want to go running back by committee. Didn't really have the means last year, I guess. But a lot of injuries to Elijah Mitchell. Who, by the way, Elijah Mitchell last year played 11 games. In nine of them, he had 17 or more carries. Nine times, 17 or more carries. That is more than Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson have combined for in the last five years. They have combined for eight games, only two for Mostert, seventeen or more carries. Mitchell did it nine times. Nine times last year. More committee stuff. The Raiders, according to Yahoo, could use a situational committee.
1: Um Oh man, we called that when McDaniels was hired.
0: Yeah. Uh Raheem Mostert may not be ready for week one. That's our running back news. Jamie, what's the you know, what what what's could affect your rankings based on what I just said, San Francisco, Las Vegas, and Raheem
2: Mostert. Uh, I moved TDP up. um, Didn't touch Mitchell because I'm not really a Mitchell guy, uh, but I moved Tyrion Davis price up because I think he's going to have probably a bigger role than we might've anticipated when he was drafted. Um, Especially if Debo Samuel does not play as much in the backfield as probably he would like because he doesn't want to be back there. Um, So I think, you know, if, if you're looking at that, you know, taking Elijah Mitchell before round six in PPR is probably a mistake. Um, if you're looking at the Raiders situation, I think Josh Jacobs is probably priced appropriately based on where he's been going in drafts. So uh, when I saw the Yahoo News, I tweeted something about it, and people were saying on Underdog, he's going in like round six. Um, it's kind of a bargain, I think. That's but, best ball, I think, right? Uh, yes, yes. But um, round six is kind of a bargain, I think. But uh, you know, round four for what we've seen is probably a little bit I don't know if that's too soon, but it's probably appropriate. You know, I don't think you should go before then. Um, if you're going to take a gamble on a guy that, you know, we've seen that when the Raiders are good and they're playing with the lead, he's been more productive and they will be better this year. So um, that can certainly help. Uh, some other stuff I saw, you know, Antonio Gibson uh, reporting with uh, less body fat and better shape. Um, that's positive, you know, for a guy that's, you know, in in maybe more of a competition than he's ever been. Uh, what else did you say? Raiders. That's well. pretty much a Raheem Mostert, may not be. Right oh, the Dolphins situation. Yeah, Mostert. Um, it, I think he's going to end up in a similar situation like James Robinson, where you know we expect him to be on the pup, and not going to be on the pup. Um, he was uh, pissed off about the Madden rankings and the fact that he wasn't considered among the top ten fastest players given his next gen stats over the last several years. So take that for what its worth. But mm-hmm. um, you know Chase Edmonds looks like he's going to be in a good spot, given that you know Mostert may not be hundred percent still, even though camp started. No love for Sony, late round pick. Yeah, I think that you know Sony and Raheem Mostert, are, Edmonds is going to go first. There, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. You know, but Mostert and and Michelle are the two worth monitoring because you'd like to see who's going to be second there in terms of probably depth chart positioning, because I do think that that guy is going to have a chance to be in the in the category of maybe carries leader, not necessarily snap leader or or production, but we know that Chase Edmonds not the most physical of guys. Uh, If they want to have a physical back, it's certainly more Raheem Oster's on yourself.
0: All right, Kyle Rudolph will get the bulk of the Rob Gronkowski role, according to Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Let me just see. This just came in, so um, this is not a fact. This is just what uh, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times believes, I guess. That's kind of how I'm interpreting it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not a surprise at all. (laughs) Boy, he has just been... Really invisible the last two years. He has two touchdown catches. Uh So does Kyle Rudolph think he's going to crack your top
1: 15? He's going to crack my top 12. He's a draftable, wow, startable fantasy tight end to begin the season. Wow, Especially if there's no Chris Godwin in Tampa Bay.
0: I, th- I'm I, sorry, I, but just to go back to the Brady thing. I mean, <laughs> I'm, sure, go I'm kind of nervous here. Because what if Mike Evans or Chris Godwin gets hurt? And I don't want to play that game. Well, Godwin's already hurt. Exactly. I don't want to play that game with every quarterback. But Evans gets hurt. You know, Evans is a little injury prone. Mm -hmm. He's 29. Mm -hmm. Uh, Godwin is obviously coming off a torn ACL. So I just feel like he's really close to having pretty bad weapons. Or maybe one good weapon. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is such a downgrade from Rob Gronkowski. And Russell Gage is such a downgrade from Antonio Brown. And if you look at the the games in which Brady had Brown and the games in which he didn't, each of the last two years, two things stand out. One, he did throw a ton of touchdowns no matter what. But two, <laughs> the yards were worse. I mean, the yards were lower when he did not have Antonio Brown playing. So um, I'm not going to completely ignore that. And uh, I don't know. I, As a guy who drafted Brady as much as I could last year, I don't really think I want to draft him this year. But, I, you know, it's Tom Brady. I don't want to count him out.
1: What'd you say about those touchdowns again?
0: They were high. They were high. But that was Bruce Arians, the most one of the most aggressive play callers. Or I know Byron Leftwich was calling plays, but one of the most aggressive coaches. He he had forty, I think forty ish, more pass attempts than any other player last year.
1: Um, You know why? Because he's the actual offensive coordinator. He's the one that's calling plays. Do you think Leftwich is going to overrule Tom Brady on anything? No. No, and but it's a philosophy. I'm not dra- I'm not drafting Kyle Rudolph cuz I think he's going to get 800 yards. He'd have to catch like 600 passes to get <laughs> 800 yards. Uh, I think he can get 8 or 10 touchdowns this year. Yeah, I, I just the, the thing about Rudolph is
2: is is he definitely the guy over Cameron Bright. That's what I want to see.
1: Well, I think this report kind of seals it and I think the fact that they went out and got him
2: Well, seals they his depth. Too. I mean, I don't think they're going to go with two rookies behind Cameron Bright and say, "Okay, our tight end position solved." So, you know, once once Gronk retired, you know, uh, I know Greg Allman listed all the veteran tight ends who were available. Jared Cook, uh, mm-hmm. Rudolph, um, uh, Evan Ing not Evan Ingram. Uh, what's the former Detroit guy that went to? Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron, the other double E. Um, you know, and look, Rudolph makes a lot of sense because he's a good blocker. But, you know, we, we haven't seen him play at a very high level since 2016. And so. Can he step in without you know knowing the playbook, having the rapport with the quarterback, and still be that guy? Remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I think Brady a QB ten. I, I'm in. If it's like yeah, no, know. He, he's closer to ten than he is to five for me for sure. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, more news. Matthew Stafford's going to be on a pitch count during training camp. He wasn't really throwing that much during the off season. Any concerns about the Rams' passing game right now?
1: No. I spent some time in isolation. Uh, Looking at Cooper Cup. And remember how, like, maybe it was like two or three weeks ago, I said that I wasn't sure if Cooper Cup is my wide receiver one? Mm -hmm. I'm sure of it. Uh, He is. And it's not going to be by a lot over Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. I think all three of them could end up being pretty close. But I I still think that this offense is going to be pass oriented. Um, The two years where they've thrown the ball 60% of the time under Sean McVay, Cooper Cup's had his best and second-best targets per game of his career, and both were north of eight targets per game. Last year, of course, was over 11 targets per game. I think this offense will be good as far as passing goes. I'm still really concerned about what that run game will look like.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about Cam Akers. He's part of our rankings dispute. So is Elijah Mitchell. Um, And uh, let's go over some players who are on the Pup List. By the way, it's July 25th. The first game of the season is Thursday, September 8th. The first Sunday of the season... Is September 11th. Thursday, September 8th is Bills-Rams. So that's just that that's fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of time. Even though training camp's open, there is a lot of time for these guys to get healthy and get right. There is no firm timeline on a decision about discipline for Alvin Kamara, according to ESPN. Great. Can we get it before we start drafting, please? Uh, Bill's You're l- going to find out a lot next Monday. Next Monday? August yeah, he has the a preliminary
2: the- hearing schedule for August 1st. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, so what what you're looking for there is if, if they try and delay it again, then that means they can't, you know, prosecute them until later. Right. I'm sure that's what they're going to ask for.
2: There, I think it was pro football talk that suggested that he plead guilty to whatever, or, you know, accept the plea deal. Um, mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying this correctly, so I apologize if I'm not, but I, I thought that's what I read. Because otherwise this could bleed into 2023. And so he may get a, you know, whatever, Penalty, may, you know, as long as no jail time, clearly, but um, that he doesn't have to delay this and could potentially lose a bigger portion of the season next year. All
0: right, let's, uh let's let's finish up here with the news and notes so we can get to the rankings disputes. Here are some noteworthy players who are going to be on the pup list uh, or the non-football injury list, but not healthy for the start of camp. Basically, can come off anytime. Bills left guard Roger Saffold he was in a car accident. Uh, A few weeks ago, I believe. He's expected back for the start of the season. Bill's cornerback, Tredavious White, one of the best cornerbacks in football when healthy. Colts linebacker, Darius Leonard. We know him. He's one of the best linebackers in football when healthy. He had off-season back surgery. He's starting camp on the pup list. Baltimore left tackle, Ronnie Stanley. And Packers left tackle, David Bakhtiari, who played one game last year. Tore his ACL December 31st of 2020 and hasn't been right since. He's on the pup list. So is uh, Robert Tunyon and Christian Watson, Watson's definitely one we're going to want to keep an eye on. You don't want a rookie wide receiver missing too much time. Uh, Detroit rookie wide receiver Jamison Williams, of course, on the NFI list, non-football injury. Because it happened in college, it's considered a non-football injury. Uh, The Bengals, we were so excited about their offensive line. Two of the three guys they added are starting camp on the pup list. Guard Alex Kappa and right tackle Lyle Collins. Also backup running back Samaje Ryan for the Bengals on the pup list. So that's uh, that's just a look at some noteworthy names, but we're not going to overreact. There's so much time for them to come off the list. Uh, the Cardinals signed wide receiver Victor Bolden of the USFL. Does he matter?
1: No. No. Not for fantasy.
0: And ESPN is speculating that uh, Pierre Strong could be an option, rookie running back Pierre Strong, could be an option to replace James White, while White remains on the pup list and have that very valuable role in the Patriots' offense. Um. So,
2: something to keep an eye on there.
0: We're going to take a break.
2: Uh, Raheem Mostert tweeted he's officially cleared to go start a camp. Oh, okay. That's cool.
0: Way to go. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dave is low on Cam Akers. Jamie is low on Elijah Mitchell. Dave loves Marquise Brown. Uh, And more. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. Time for some pre-camp rankings disputes. Start with Rams camp. Cam Akers, he is RB17 for Jamie in both non and full PPR. For Dave, he is 28th in non-PPR and 26th in full PPR. That is Cam Akers. I'll look up some ADP in a moment. But Jamie, I'll let you... Well, you have him 17th. He's going 16th in NFC draft since July 1st. And he is RB17 in... PPR in uh, in fantasy pros ADP. So you've got him basically at ADP. Dave, much lower on Akers. Why do you believe in Cam Akers as a number two running back?
2: I'm actually moving up a few spots. Um, you know, I, I think the setup is is pretty clear. Uh, Daryl Henderson has never really materialized as a guy that they fully trust. And right now, he's the top backup. Kieran Williams, the guy that they drafted to maybe be a third down guy dealing with a broken foot. Who knows when he'll be ready. He's on the pop list. Uh, the fact that Akers was able to come back last year And get the workload that he has shows you the trust that Sean McVay has in him. And when I spoke to McVay at the owners meetings, he pointed to the one game that I think you could say, okay, maybe this is an idea of what the floor could be for Cam Akers when he's right. And it was the Arizona game when he had over 90 total yards. He said the twitch was starting to come back in that game. And we started to see the guy that we remember. And he says a big part of what we're going to do. And I think the offseason kind of tells you that, that they really didn't go address the position that they allowed Sonny Michel to walk. And so I think Akers is in a great spot on one of the best offenses in football, one of the best play callers in football. And so I love the setup for him. The fact that it seems like he's all systems go last year at this time, we were drafting him in the first round. You're getting potentially a first round player at a bargain. And so I love the setup for cam makers this year. Very excited about it.
1: I just, I would, I need to see some reports and some video of him looking better than he did last year. And honestly looking better than he did as a rookie too, because he wasn't as explosive as a rookie as we were hoping for and i talked about those numbers a couple of weeks ago on the show if you want me to bring them up uh, again i will they were
0: very I, I thought they were great i mean You're, really
1: eye opening which means that if he if he doesn't improve his efficiency you have to hope that he is that work role um he was 125th in rush epa in 2020 uh, he had seven runs of 12-plus yards over 145 carries. That's an explosive rate below 5%. He was 84th and avoided tackles. He had one fumble lost on six goal-to-go carries. He had one touchdown on six goal-to-go carries. 27 carries for zero or negative yards. It was about 20% of his carries in 2020. One and big that's, difference with that team, though, right? What's up? Big difference with that team, though, right? Quarterback. Sure, but the numbers were slightly worse in 2021 with a better quarterback. Well, I mean, you're talking about his numbers when he came back? No, those numbers I just gave you were from 2020. And I'm saying, the you 20- said
2: his numbers were slightly
1: worse
0: in
2: 2021? Right. Yeah. I I
0: think people can, can throw out 2021 if they want to. I think, it, you know, fair enough. Um, I'd even throw out that Arizona game because it, it, as much as Sean McVay wants to say, his Twitch was back. I mean, maybe he, it was, but he was horrible in
1: that game. There were plays throughout the playoffs where he had Twitch and there were plays, way more plays throughout the playoffs. I don't know. I'll trust the way I, like, you know i
2: always look, look at what the off-season tells us. And the off tells us that they feel pretty comfortable in him.
0: I, I think it's just he doesn't it, have man. to be. I mean, do you agree with this premise, though? He doesn't have to be a great running back. hundred uh, percent. To, to be a to be RB17 if he's if he gets the workload that Daryl Henderson got last year. You know, if he's just He's just the guy, you know, and for the Rams, then he's going to be a must-start guy. Jamie, Jamie, what
1: what does the drafting of Kyron Williams tell you as far as their offseason? Now, I I know that Kyron Williams is not a feature back or one of the stud rookies in the class, but the fact that they went out and they picked up a guy who was known as a passing downs back. Forget about the foot injury because he didn't really have that then. What does that tell you about the direction of where they want to go with their run game?
2: Well, I mean, I think they needed depth. You know, that that mm-hmm. certainly was telling. You know, when you when you lose Michelle and you saw what happened to him last year, um, this was a guy going into the draft process that, you know, certainly looked better than what happened to him coming out of the draft process. The combine was horrible for Karen Williams. Um, but, you know, again, I don't necessarily look at him as a feature guy. And so to add something that could potentially help their team, I think it was a smart move. Does it speak volumes to where they are of Cam makers? Not really. But does he get the third down roll? Because he is a third down well, back. That's, he might.
0: If, 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 that if would he be a two
2: feet, he might. If if Kieran Williams was healthy, I wouldn't be as optimistic as I am on Cam Acres.
0: Right. What do you think about this, Jamie? This is a great point here from, from JJ. Dave just hates Acres because he went to Florida State.
2: Is that what this is?
0: No. I mean, I would have the same feeling
2: <laughs> if that was the case.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all hate Florida State over here.
1: My My tune changes as soon as there's video of him looking better than he did last year. We, we, it just it has to be proven first. And I know we're not going to see him in a preseason game. We're going to have to hear about it from the joint practices they have.
0: Now, I just want to know more about his role because I always say this. You know, I don't think anyone views Daryl Henderson as some, some phenomenal running back. Right? He's fine. But his first 10 games before his injury, he was the number 14 running back per game. And he did that on 14.2 carries per game. He was on pace for 46 catches. He didn't have an enormous workload. But it was enough, you know, it was enough for him to be a consistent must-start running back.
1: And I'm pretty sure his efficiency in 2021 – well, I don't know if this is right to say. His efficiency in 2021 blew away what Akers was in 2020. I don't know if that's a fair comparison because the offenses were so different. But I think Henderson is a more explosive back than Akers.
0: Uh, I don't know if we should move on, but I do feel like I have to bring up – nobody really brings this up, but the Rams maybe lost more on the offensive line than – any other team. Is that right? I mean, they lost their left tackle. I think they lost Austin Corbett. They lose one other they player. Did. They lost two or three starters, including Andrew Whitworth, of course. Um, So Jamie, does does that matter to you with the Rams?
2: With the Not Eagles? with this team, no. Okay.
0: All right, then let's go to our next one. It's Elijah Mitchell. So we just heard the report about RBBC, And that makes sense because no running back has gotten the work that Mitchell did. He had five, Straight games, his last five games going into the playoffs anyway, twenty plus carries. That's just unheard of <laughs> for a, a Niners running back. But he missed so much time; he missed six games in the regular season. So anyway, Jamie is lower on Mitchell at twenty sixth in non PPR, twenty eighth in full PPR. Dave has him twenty first. So Dave, you can paint the optimistic picture. Uh, picture, excuse me, for Elijah Mitchell.
1: It's just that he's a young running back who's already succeeded in this system. I think one of the big strikes against Mitchell is his health. The fact that he missed a bunch of time last year is is a problem for him. But at least he's young. He showed that he can play in the system. Uh, the offensive line getting worse does worry me a little bit. And I think Jamie touched on it. If you're going to draft Elijah Mitchell, you, sh- you should make the commitment to also take Ty Davis Price. I think that that's going to be the next best running back as of now in San Francisco and Davis price is not like the typical running back that the 49ers have used in the past. He's a, he's a physical grinder. And I, I wonder if he's going to be the complementary piece with Elijah as the lead guy and Jeff Wilson backing up both by the time we get to the season. And what does that mean for fantasy? It probably means that Elijah Mitchell is going to need to surprise us as a pass catcher and find a lot of touchdown runs longer than three yards, which mean, he did a lot of that last year. I, I think he's a talented player. I kind of don't like where I have him in my rankings, but I don't like a lot of the running. Yeah, backs it
0: doesn't sound. It just doesn't sound get... like the. Uh, well, no.
1: He <laughs> to me the the argument that I'm going to make for him being at 21st is because I like him better than a lot of the other running backs behind him. But those running backs include Cam Akers, and includes J.K. Dobbins, and includes Travis Etienne, guys who can make an easy leap in front of him once it's clear that they're healthy and they look like they're normal again and at expectations again ex- at, at playing at the expected level again
0: okay jamie let me just get you some elijah mitchell adp rb 24 and fantasy pros ppr is going 49th 50th overall and uh rb 25 but 63rd overall on uh on nfc adp but what do you think
2: that's fine range you know if you want to take a shot on him um dave mentioned this you know stay healthy missed six games last year with a variety of injuries and it almost seemed like it was just kind of the perfect storm because most of it wasn't there they didn't trust sermon sermon also got hurt late in the season so we don't know if he would have done anything a little bit more when he was healthy they had debo to turn to Um, jeff wilson wasn't right now you have a healthy wilson um, a potentially better sermon i was uh, you know the, the one thing that i was kind of looking forward to prior to the nfl draft was sermon getting a bigger opportunity to compete because i know where he spent his off season and i know he was working his Butt off, uh looked in better shape and, you know, hopefully had an opportunity to prove himself. That probably is going to be a little bit tougher. I would actually like to see maybe the 49ers trade Trey Sermon. Uh, but in any event, you know, they draft a guy in, in Davis Price who's a physical runner, um, who they may give some opportunities to in lieu of Elijah Mitchell in some of those cases. We know he doesn't catch passes, and really the 49ers' history with their lead back has not necessarily been to throw the ball to them. The last guy that they had was a pass catcher was Carlos Hyde, the first year that Kyle Shanahan was there. Uh, but obviously, history is not on his side. You know, it's been five straight seasons with Kyle Shanahan as the head coach and five different lead rushers. And so that kind of tells you that they're not afraid to turn over the position and they're not afraid to go with a guy that's not necessarily proven. And that's kind of been their M.O. And so Elijah Mitchell was just the latest. Mostert was a guy that traveled around the league. Jeff Wilson was a guy that traveled around the league and didn't get an opportunity. Um, you know, Carlos Hyde was. You know, kind of toward the end of his his run there with them when he was still successful. But that's the guy that they inherited. And so it's been a different guy. Matt Breida also, you know, so it's been a different guy year after year after year. But why? And so, huh? Why? Because why? they don't because value a, running No, backs. because it's always injury. It, well, it, right. And it's, it's always injury for a guy that's missed
0: 16. Yeah. I get that, you know, but. But it's. But I don't think we should paint the picture that they're just going to start a new
2: guy just because it's always been a different guy. Oh no! Not going someone to start gets hurt. A new and guy. They, they never start a new guy. Raheem Mostert was the guy yeah. to start Week One, and he had two carries and they got hurt. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, what do you average? Uh, Ten yards per carry or something? Yeah, like no. <laughs> he was the start of the week in Week One. <laughs> I was very excited about that game. Um, but look, I think Mitchell's the one you should draft first. You know, and and hopefully he stays healthy and and can reward people that draft him in the fifth round. Uh, but. I'm not going to be that guy. You know, certainly in PPR, I'm not going to be that guy. I'll certainly take Travis Etienne over him. I'll take Cam Akers over him. You know, I don't know who else Dave has ranked ahead of him, but I'll probably take four or five guys more. Um, I just don't like the setup for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Along with the fact, which we haven't mentioned, the quarterback is going to run a lot more. And so, you know, it could be not a recipe for disaster because it's such a great system. By the way, they also lost their run game coordinator, if that matters. Um, offensive line has changed too. So and yeah. the offensive line is changing. You know, so I I think he's going to be good, but history suggests he won't be great again for the entire season.
0: Okay. How about uh, Elijah Mitchell or AJ Dillon?
1: Dillon's easy for me. I probably have Mitchell ranked ahead of Dillon.
0: Okay. And guess how many carries from inside the five yard line Trey Lance had last year?
2: In the three main appearances In that he all made of his games. Together, Few?
0: He had over 40 carries, I think. But yes, in all of his
1: games. I don't know if I remember one. He had I'll 38 say, carries. I'll say I'll say one. Yeah, one.
0: <laughs> he had one carry. He scored a one-yard touchdown run. I don't right. know if you remember that. That was so, against the
1: Packers, I think, in week three.
0: I don't know if that necessarily it does. means it's just, anything. It's a quirky stat. But, but there's no way he's going to have one carry no. inside the
1: five this well, year. Well, because he's going to play a lot more. And... Uh, to be fair, uh, Elijah did have a 25% target per route run rate from Trey Lance when they played. Small sample size, but Lance was looking for him. Okay. And there's an efficiency spike that tends to happen for running backs when they play with a rushing quarterback yeah. because teams have defenses have to account for both guys. So it's really it, – the, the bet on Mitchell is you're betting on a young player staying healthy when he didn't stay healthy last year when he got a great opportunity last year. Is the opportunity as good this year – and it, it, it's eh. It's just eh.
0: Okay. All right, let's move on. Let's go Here's to Marquis just
2: real quick because I found it. Matt Mayoko, who covers the 49ers for NBC Sports, um, one of their better beat writers. Yeah, he's uh, been doing it forever. The influx of young running backs over the past two drafts makes for what should be interesting competition at running back as Coach Kyle, Han- Kyle Shanahan appears determined to deploy more of a running back by committee approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all on board with taking multiple 49ers but, running backs and the two that I want are Mitchell and TDP. Why not
0: Jeff Wilson, though? Because the, the report last week was that Jeff Wilson, as of right now, would be the
1: number two guy. Sure. If if he ends up great late as the number two guy, he's a terrific late running flyer.
0: Okay, let's talk about Marquise Brown, number twenty one for Jamie and non PPR, number twenty two in full PPR. Dave's five spots higher, sixteenth in non PPR, seventeenth in full PPR. It's not, it's not a huge difference in the rankings, but you are talking about very good players that Dave is taking Marquise Brown over, and Jamie is not. So, for example, Dave has Marquise Brown ahead of Allen Robinson, Jalen Waddell, Terry McLaurin, and DK Metcalf. Jamie has him ahead of only Metcalf in that group. McLaurin, Waddle, Allen Robinson are all ahead of Marquise Brown. Jamie, you still like Marquise Brown. I'm not going to paint the picture sure. otherwise. You have him 22nd but not quite as high on... on uh, You know, I think I probably let Dave go first since you are higher than the industry, I guess. Uh, you're probably going to be one of the higher guys on Marquise Brown as of right now, so take it away.
1: Uh, he's going to an offense that's going to throw a lot more than the previous offense that he was in, and he's got a better quarterback now than what he had before in terms of just accuracy and throwing downfield. And for the first six weeks of the season, he's going to be the top target getter He's been used to getting a lot of targets. I don't have the number in front of me right now. I need to get it. But I think it's in the neighborhood of like 29 of 45 games where he's had eight-plus targets, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because you don't think about him as a high-target guy. But I think he's going to end up being a pretty decent target guy for Arizona. And I think it's going to carry on past the first six games of the season. We saw last year from Hopkins, not as explosive as a receiver, and more of a red zone guy. Brown is explosive, and I think they're going to be smart enough to use him on all three levels of the passing game. It's not going to be just a bunch of deep balls. He'll be used in a much smarter way in Arizona. He'll get a lot of targets, and he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. So I'm, I'm very excited about the upside for Marquise Brown.
0: Go ahead, Jamie. You're slight, Dave's slightly ahead of ADP, and Jamie's slightly behind in ADP. It looks like he's going somewhere around wide receiver 19, so you're not too far off.
2: Yeah, I, I don't agree. I don't disagree with what Dave said for the first six weeks, but it's that week seven on, that's the mystery. Because while he should be the target leader, and you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a slight to Lamar Jackson to say he's going to a quarterback upgrade. Uh, but while he should be the target leader, um, uh, this is gonna be the most crowded receiving core he's ever played with from a talent standpoint because Zachary can still play. DeAndre Hopkins, we're gonna find out if he can still play, but I'm gonna bet that he's still probably at a better level than anybody that Marquise Brown from a receiver standpoint shared the field with. They're talking about getting Rondell more involved. That's a mystery, but we'll see. Uh, A.J. Green is still there for what it's worth. And then you have what they like to do with the running backs out of the backfield. So I think for the first six weeks, Marquise Brown is going to be phenomenal. And then what happens? And that's just a concern. you know. So could he still be the, the target leader? Could he still be as productive as he will be in those first six weeks from week seven on, which is the majority of the season? I don't know. I just don't know, you know, and, and we know that Hopkins, while he may not be the same type of player, he certainly was last year as a red zone threat. And then Zach Ertz was a, a pretty significant part of this offense. And then, you know, Dave, you kind of alluded to this um, with your Kyler Murray thought. What happens if Murray gets hurt again? And then we're relying on a backup quarterback there. So um, I think Marquise Brown's a very good number two receiver, but I will take those guys that you listed that uh, are, are different in our rankings ahead of them because of their season long potential as opposed to the first six weeks potential.
0: I'm going to call a little bit of an audible here. I was going to bring up some tight ends, and maybe we'll have time, but it, your, your rankings of Allen Robinson really jump out here. So that's the next guy I want to talk about because, uh, Jamie, you've got him 16th. Dave, you have him 18th. On Fantasy Pros, Allen Robinson is wide receiver 28, and he is wide receiver 22 in NFC drafting, going 48th overall. Fantasy Pros, he's going 69th overall. So it is possible that general public will not be as high on Allen Robinson as the people who do rankings or the people who play high stakes fantasy. And I'll just I guess I'll just take their side. Uh he was so bad last year.
1: <laughs> that's why. That's why the ADP is what it is. And
0: he's and he's not he has not been an explosive wide receiver since he tore his ACL early in his career. He had a 1,400-yard year as a, as a sophomore. Looked like one of the best emerging young wide receivers. Has never been the same. What he's been, Allen Robinson, is a high-target guy. You know, very reliable, clear-cut number one guy. And had never had any serious competition. So we know he's not going to be that, obviously. But I guess, to, just to sum it up very short, very quickly, if Allen Robinson doesn't catch a lot of touchdowns, I think the general public is going to be, I think the people who are low on Allen Robinson are going to be right. And the people who have him as a top 20 wide receiver are going to be wrong. I think he's going to be touchdown dependent because he's not a playmaker and he's not going to get a ton of targets like he did in Chicago.
1: His ADP would be in the toilet if he was still in Chicago because that's a team that's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. But I think the LA Rams are going to score a lot of touchdowns this year. And I think the Rams, I already talked about, are going to throw the ball a lot. And I mentioned this a number of times during the offseason. If you take the target volume of the next best receiver in L.A., uh, basically the receiver not named Cooper Cup from week to week, you're talking about a receiver that cumulatively gets 127 targets. Over 17 games. Oh,
0: right, but but can you really do that, That could be that, a different though? guy every week, Yeah, sure. right, because Van Jefferson will have well, a role. Well, who, who are
1: the guys now? It's Allen Robinson, it's Van Jefferson, and it's Tutu Atwell. And eventually, it'll be Beckham, it seems. It seems that way. And when that happens, that'll probably be like... That could be November. Right. Yeah, that but could that's could still the
0: second half of the season. Could be a thorn in the
1: side Allen Robinson. That could be in the fantasy playoffs. So, I'm still going to draft Robinson... On the, on the upside of him being in single coverage, a lot of the time in an offense that's going to throw 60% of the time and definitely loves to throw in the red zone. And he, you're right. He's not an explosive receiver. His speed is solid at best. But I watched his film, again, part of the isolation work that I did. Hmm. He gets open with his footwork still. He's got great feet. And he's got great size. So he's winning in two of the three ways that receivers can get open in the NFL. And in an offense this strong, I can't resist him. I think he has 10 touchdown upside.
2: They see so much zone and it's gonna allow him to just be open in space all the time. John McVay is gonna get him open in space. Matthew Stafford's the best quarterback. I mean, you can't overlook that. This he's played with such crap. This is the best <laughs> quarterback that he's ever played with in his career. Um, yes, Beckham could return. So, you know, I can't sit here and say that I'm I'm worried about Marquise Brown knowing that there's a week seven appearance coming from probably a superior player if he's right in deandre hopkins i don't know if beckham's a superior player than robinson but he certainly was a big part of this offense but as good as cooper cup was last year the combination of what robert woods and odell beckham did over the course of the season just as the second guy and it's really unfair to say beckham was that in the role that he played because he was thrown into this and asked to play a significant role because remember he was expected to be the third guy robert woods tore his acl two days after they traded for odell beckham yeah now now let me ask you this, Adam, as as playing the role of drafting Alan Robinson. All things taken into account, so 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 that that's on the table. But what if this was Robert Woods coming back from an ACL tear, still in this role? Where do you think he would get drafted as the number two receiver for the Rams, knowing his history with this team? That's a tough. I'm not saying what you think of him. Just where would he get? No, drafted? but
0: it's a tough question because he always has these rushing totals that boost his fantasy value. So if you, I'm told, just me, saying, Rob, if you told me, if you forget about
2: the semantics of it, where are you drafting Robert Woods?
0: Round five. Okay. But if you told me Robert Woods with no rushing, because I don't think Alan I'm Robinson. Not, I'm not telling you anything.
2: I just, but I, that's just the thing. I just, I'm just want the name. It.
0: Just his receiving, round five with the rushing, round
2: six without it. Fine. Okay. So, but just, just Rob, healthy Robert Woods off the ACL tier. He's back as the number two guy, round five. And where's Robinson's ADP? Late four.
0: Depends. I mean, on fantasy pros, it's, it's 69th overall. It's round six. On NFC,
2: it's uh, 48th. So it's the end of round four. Now, let me ask you the same question. Healthy Odell Beckham, come. He didn't tear his ACL in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's the number two guy. Where are you drafting? Six. I was so much. Strange.
0: Yeah, I was much less impressed with Beckham than you were. But Beckham basically was exactly what I'm saying. He he caught a lot of touchdowns.
2: But yeah. he was also building towards something. I think we saw it in the playoffs the Super Bowl. I don't. Did we? I mean, the Super Bowl. He well, just his role and and the routes he was running.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, round six is a is a slam dunk, but. Round four,
2: it's gonna be a tough call for people. I think obviously round five will be a tough call for people too. It's all a matter of what your 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 perception of A the Rams offense is, which I think is like that's how I'm approaching it, and the car wash he's going through, and B Allen Robinson and what happened to him last year. You know, so it's it's whatever side you're on.
0: The most fun debate is because of obviously the connection is Allen Robinson versus Darnell Mooney. And where do you guys come out on that?
2: Robinson. Robinson. I'll always lean quarterback.
0: Mooney is four spots behind Robinson in NFC, and on Fantasy Pros, Mooney is wide receiver twenty-five, and Robinson is wide receiver twenty-eight. So they're just flop, flip, flop there. Mooney get a lot of
2: targets. That's the nice thing about him, right?
1: You hope so.
0: I want to read some emails. Fantasy at CBSI dot com. This one comes from JP from a town in the UP.
1: Dave UP. Uh, many times <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, is Ypsilani? Sure.
0: Why not? Dear Chuck, Robert, Chester, and Adrian.
1: Vikings running backs.
0: I'm in a 10 team, half PPR league. Two running backs, three receivers, one flex, and one keeper. Uh, I have the first overall pick, and I'll be taking Christian McCaffrey, and I'm also keeping Mm. Justin Jefferson Mm. with my second round pick. So he's got the first pick of round three. I'm not in love with the players that I'm expecting to be available at my two, three turn pick, which is Higgins, Evans, Keenan Allen, James Conner. He's not in love with them. I'm considering taking Josh Allen and locking in the top quarterback to go with McCaffrey and Jefferson. What do you think about that? How likely is Josh Allen to be the top quarterback? How big is the gap? Um versus locking in a solid wide two wide receiver two. know, what do you guys what do you do the, if you're
1: there? Uh Jamie? 12 team league? Ten. 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 10 and it's half PPR. So, but it's three receivers.
2: You want difference makers. And obviously, Allen's a huge difference maker. So, I don't hate it. I mean, I would take Evans personally, um, you know, just based on his upside, especially if Godwin's not 100% or ready to go. But, you know, if you want to lock up the best quarterback, there's clearly depth. It's obviously going to be a lot of players in the position. So, you may regret it by the end of the year if Allen is not one. But if you're concerned and you don't love anybody, it's hard not to love Josh Allen, so he's gonna he's gonna be an edge. Whether he's a significant edge over Mahomes or Herbert, whoever you have number two, that remains to be seen. But you know, don't don't take somebody you don't like. You know, you have a lot of great options there. Don't take somebody you don't
1: like. Adam, can you give me a list of some of the receivers that you might find at fortieth overall? Sure. Uh, there are keepers involved, though. Yeah, just give me six names.
0: Okay, fortieth overall, Pittman. Deontay Waddle, McLaurin, um, DJ Moore, maybe.
1: Okay. Uh, so it, Metcalf, it Robinson, there. yeah. If if you think the receivers that you named—Higgins, Evans, Keenan Allen—aren't that far off from the receivers that Adam just named, you should take Josh Allen, and then you can find a receiver, a comparable receiver, a yeah, tier down in round and four. And that's a, that's in the same tier for me. Yeah, they're pretty close for me too. But that's assuming that Pittman makes it back to you and that he's available. So I, because it's a 10-team league and because it's half PPR, I don't mind taking Josh Allen there.
0: Next email is from Mike Sanford. longtime listener, first-time messenger. Cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Two-keeper, no-penalty league. And I'm keeping McCaffrey. I'm trading away Kamara. Oh, I traded away Kamara last year for the first overall pick. And I have the second pick. Wow. So it is a two quarterback league. He has picks one and two, and he's keeping McCaffrey. Now he needs two from this group. Chase, Adams, Burrow, Kyler, Hertz, and Mixon.
2: He's got the first two picks. Uh Kyler and Burrow, it's not close. <laughs> well, but you like Hertz better than Over Kyler. Chase? Oh, I'm sorry. J- uh, Hertz is there? Yep. Um, I would go Hertz and Kyler. Kyler. Superflex league, that's easy, and yeah, McCaffrey, that's a huge win. Two QB league, yeah.
1: And he's still wait. So, are these the players he's taking with the picks?
0: Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. He didn't tell me who he's keeping. Well, he's keeping
2: McCaffrey. Other than that, he's keeping two players, but forgetting about that, he's keeping McCaffrey. He's got the first two picks. Unless he has, you know, Allen or you know one of the top tier guys that are ranked ahead of you know Hertz or Kyler, then maybe you take one of those quarterbacks and chase. But yeah. my God, to get those two QBs or two of those QBs, I you like.
1: I I tend to agree. I think it's going to be a some combination of Kyler Hertz and Chase. All right. And this if, you, if, if the if the yeah, if I would think Bro had a chase be, too. If it's if you don't have quarterback.
0: All right. Let me go to the next one. This is from a person who eats lunch at eleven thirty. Good for you. Our league is moving from, uh, one flex. It's one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, and a flex kind of normal league to having two flexes. How does this change your general approach?
1: First of all, I love it. I think two flexes is a move that more leagues should make. But it doesn't really change my approach that much. I'm still gonna draft a lot of great players and then just the best two guys on my bench are gonna be my flex each week. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I don't change anything. This is I don't it's it's wrong. not like I'm gonna prioritize tight ends more because I can start I have more flexibility to use two tight ends from week to week. Maybe I think no. about that toward the end of the draft. Yeah,
0: but I don't know. It's not uh, like I'm
1: gonna take. I'm not gonna plan on taking Kelsey in a, with the top 15 pick, and then Dalton Schultz in round six.
0: I uh, right, you're not gonna want to flex a tight end. I am of the belief well, you, that but you could if it works out that way. You're not gonna want to flex a tight end. Like you're not gonna want to, right? If it works out, oh, then fine. But you're not gonna you, seek okay, that out. Okay, how about
1: this? It's you take you take Kel You're in a one flex league. You take Kelsey in round one. Darren Waller's there in round five. Or no. Kittle's there around round no five. Way. I don't think it's that You're scenario. I think it's, it's,
2: the, it's the finding the Dalton Schultz off waivers that ends up being a, a weekly starter. That that's how you sure, play. Sure,
1: but you might be more open to taking a tight end at a steal value if you've already had one, if you have two flex spots to fill each week. History, yeah, I don't know if those guys in round five is a steal right. value.
0: The history of tight end just scares me too much of that. You know, I'd rather take all those wide receivers that we just talked about over those tight ends. They're only going in round five. Be, they're only going in round four or five because they're tight ends. Well, that's not 100% true, but... uh, All right, well, anyway, let's move on. From Pete in a barely radio-legal Madison suburb. I don't even really know what that means. He's from Fitchburg. Dear Alan, Carl, Jim, and Gary.
1: Alan, Carl, Jim, and Gary. Those are Vikings. Yeah,
0: hint, PPE, which would be the purple people eaters, I'm assuming. We have a lot of
1: Vikings fans on the show. Even though you hate Minnesota.
0: I hate Minnesota. Minnesota. I love Minnesota. You said
2: that once upon a time. You hate Minnesota.
0: I, maybe you maybe said that I said that about Australia. No, you said it. I never said that.
1: Did the Twins beat the Yankees at something?
0: That That is actually hilarious because the Twins never beat the Yankees. They they The Yankees have eliminated the Twins in, in so many postseasons. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, anyway, can someone please explain to me the seemingly outrageous average draft position of Javante Williams? This man is on a team that just invested a lot in a quarterback, has three separate breakout receiver candidates, is a committee with a known running back with a better pedigree. He's younger. He's very talented. But what about the offense says to you that it can sustain a non-workhorse running back? And what about Javante's career so far? In situations suggest you should invest a second-round pick in him.
1: I agree.
2: If Melvin Gordon stays healthy, the people that are drafting Javante Williams in the spot that they are are going to be really disappointed. But if Melvin Gordon gets hurt and misses any time, my God, Javante Williams is going to reward you in such a huge way. So it's really you're banking on an injury for a guy that doesn't always get injured. So it's a little tough. I think if if everybody stays healthy, he's probably more of a round four pick um, because I do think he's going to lead the team in carries on a team that's going to be better. By how much, that's the question. Uh, I think it will be probably a 60-40 split. I think they want Javante to sort of you know take over the job. Uh, but will he and will Melvin Gordon allow him to? That's the question.
0: All right, last email comes from Adam from The Gateway. And he says, Dear Rick, Arn, Tully, and Ollie.
1: Those are Oli. Oli? Those are horsemen.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm in a full PPR keeper league. I'm keeping Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, I think Mike Evans may have a shot at the touchdown record, but with Derrick Henry being older and injury concerned, should I take one of... Kyle Pitts, Brees Hall, or Javante Williams. Okay, so he's keeping Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, and Justin Jefferson. He wants to know nice. if he should take Mike Evans or Brees Hall, Javante Williams, or Kyle Pitts. Who would you guys take? Evan. Yeah. Okay, Evans.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking Evans too. The only the only consideration that I'm leaning towards is Pitts because you could keep him forever. And so you throw back Mike Evans and you keep Pitts. I think that's what I would do. Because how many more years does Evans have? Your team is so good. No, no. This is
0: drafting, not keeping. So he's keeping those three players,
1: I think. And and he's... So these these are the players that are going to be available? Maybe I'm wrong. You could still take Pitts and keep him next year. You'd just have to throw back probably Henry. I don't know.
0: I don't know what it is. All right, well... There you okay. go. There's...
1: Evans is going to be better this year, but if you're trying to find somebody who can be great for your fantasy team year after year after year, it's Pitts. All right. This, Pitts is the pick, hoping that he can be that guy.
0: Dinesh says, in a blanket, Evans. Oh, that's not the
1: one I was – this is the one.
0: In a blanket, Evans. Yes, let's bring back in a blanket. That I'm getting
1: that a call fun. from New Mexico. Should I see who it is? Uh, it's about your car but, yeah, it's
0: about your extended warranty. Hey, this is Dave.
1: <laughs> hmm. Somebody who, who wants to ask me questions about the 2022 midterms.
0: Oh, okay. we're definitely I'm going to hang that. up on that. All right. We're out of here, everybody. Thanks so much. Uh, tomorrow, we'll talk about some players who could be risers during training camp. We'll keep reading your emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. For Dave and Jamie, I'm Adam.
2: Good to have Dave back. See you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7.